Hi, and welcome to Pacifim Christian Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message, that it will both challenge and inspire you. God then, and this morning we're reading from the Gospel of John. We're going to read from uh, chapter 14, and we're going to read verses 7 to 11 from the New King James Version. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long? I, I'm trying to pick, I know it's hard when you're reading, but I'm trying to pick the tone of Jesus' voice here. What, what's he actually expressing here? And, and I can see it going uh, uh, several different ways, but, but imagine, right? So you've been with the guys all these three years. And, and he, he says something that you think is a, well, let's not say a dumb question, but, but you'd hope that they'd already got over this. So, but listen to the Lord's voice again. Jesus said to him, oh, maybe I should say, I'll, I'll read from verse 8. Philip said to him, said to the Lord, Lord, show us the Father and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long? And yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? These words I speak to you, I I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me, for the sake of the works themselves. I, I want to concentrate a little bit on Philip. Um, and, and it'll become obvious in a little while. But notice how Philip, it's Philip and, and Jesus uses it. It's Philip who immediately responds to Jesus when Jesus says, If you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on you know him and have seen him. And, and, and Philip immediately, well, wait a minute. Well, show us the Father, and that'll be enough. That's all I need. And I'm going, wait a minute, what's going on here? Um, Remember that Philip was really confident in the beginning. Uh, Let me read it to you, John 1, 43 to 45. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip. And he said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. We found him. So enthusiastic. And I want to emphasize that because there's a pattern that we can identify with. He's obviously believed, right? He's obviously believed. He he had that encounter with Jesus. He got all passionate and excited, told his mate. And and at a time, he's been with him three years, but but at the time when it got really difficult, I think it's John 6, six, verse 66, um, all the disciples, most of the disciples started to leave Jesus because... It says his sayings were too hard and too difficult. And we can put a slight nudge on that 
we can say, because what he was asking them to do was like they thought was beyond me. It's too hard, I can't do this. Which of course we'll find out later that of course it is, but that's why we need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will enable us to do this stuff. But at that time, many of them left. So there's 12 left, right? And, and Philip's one of them. So he's, he's been through the very beginning. He's heard the incredible teaching, the revelations that's come. He's seen the authority in the voice of Jesus. He, he's seen signs and wonders like, you know, never been seen before. He's just there. And, and then even when it got really, really challenging, he stayed when so many left. But now, right here towards the end, he's, he's sort of revealed a little bit of the wrestles he had with unbelief and doubt. And I think, I think that uh, it wasn't to do with faith as much as it was doing knowing exactly who are you again. Because he said, the one Moses talked about, which could have been the prophet, so he's, he's sort of let slip that, okay, I believe you're definitely a man from God and I've, I've seen the evidence of that, but now if you show me the Father, that's going to be all I need. And the reason I'm talking like this is uh, because I think it's a journey that we all walk through. Um, obviously believes, hasn't left when the others left. Uh, but then at this opportune moment, Jesus saying about the well, show us the Father, that's all I need. I just need, that's all I need. So in John 49, when Jesus said to him, have I been long, so long, uh, have, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father, so how can you say, show us the Father? So I wonder if Jesus was, this is in the Bible because Jesus is really asking us that question. Show us the Father and it'll be enough. I've heard similar things through, through our lives of, as being Christians where, well, if he would do this, or if I can get this, or... That'd be enough for me. And and it's question is, I know nearly everybody in the room. There's no doubt that we all believe. But now usually I don't like using the word but because what it really means is just ignore everything I said because I don't believe what I said. We obviously believe, but when when the when the pressures of life or the way we react to the unexpected drama, that's a better word. The way we respond to the unexpected dramas of life says, hmm, leaves a little question mark, do we really believe? A little bit like the father who brought his son to Jesus and said, hey, um, look, the disciples couldn't heal him. Can you come and sort this out, cast this devil out, heal my boy? And, 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 and Jesus said, you just got to believe. And he says... I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. I, I think it's a little bit like that with us. We believe, but then the unexpected, I like that phrase, the unexpected dramas of life happen 
And our immediate response sort of reveals that maybe we don't believe as much as we'd like to think we believe. Yes, I believe, but now, oh dear, help me with my unbelief. Um, that kind of thing. We obviously believe, but the way we react to the unexpected dramas, I sometimes suggest that there's a hidden wrestle with doubt. Because the truth is, God, our Father, is, and we all know this, we know this and we would even say it, but we're betrayed by our actions sometimes. Our God, our Father, is the answer to every question, the defence to every attack, the solution for every problem, the victory in every battle, the reason and the meaning of life itself. And that's the truth. But we sometimes react like he isn't. And again, it's them unexpected dramas. I'm going to use that phrase a lot now because it sort of flows off the tongue and sounds really good, makes me sound intellectual. The unexpected dramas of life. They just hit us, broadside, just shock, sudden bang, like a kangaroo running into the side of your car. Two months later, it's got fixed. But the deal is, like catching your hand in a terrible mixer and, and the threat of losing your fingers, that, that sudden unexpected dramas of life happen and then our first immediate response says, wait a minute, um, aren't we people of faith? In John 17, 1 to 3, which you know, the chapter of 17 of John is, is actually the Lord's Prayer. You know, we get the other Lord's Prayer, but that's more like Jesus teaching us how to pray. But this is his actual prayer. And I'm going to read the first three verses. I want you to listen carefully to the words. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may uh, your son also may glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him and this is eternal life that they might know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent we, we need to notice the way 2 and 3 verse 2 and 3 link together there they work together there when Jesus confesses you have given him authority over all flesh now, I, I want us to think about that because we often know verse 3, well, what is eternal life? This is eternal life, knowing, knowing the Father, right, is eternal life. And, and can I suggest to you that, as I've just said before, and I should read it again because it reads so well. In fact, I will read it again because you didn't look suitably impressed enough the first time. But it took me a lot of time to word this, so I'm going to read it again. Uh, probably the only time I get to. Um, He's the answer to every question, the defence to every attack, the solution to every problem, the victory in every battle, the reason and the meaning of life itself, which I should have said after that, is, is what we need when we're facing these challenges. We need to know him, get closer to him, but know him better. That, that's the remedy. So now in verse 2 and 3, He's saying, hey, um, he's talking about the flesh. 
all flesh. But the next verse he talks about eternal life. And, and it's so easy for us to try and think or to understand that when he's praying this, he's actually talking about eternal life, which is when we get to be with the Father in heaven. But I don't think he's talking about that. He's not relating to that at all. If, if we look carefully where he says, you have given him authority over all flesh, it refers to the time of flesh. When flesh, or shall I say human weakness or carnal desire is dominant. So he's talking about the time when we first begin to know him up to, up to the time when flesh isn't a problem. And, and you know when carnal nature is a problem? It's when we're actually with him, staring him face to face, become like him, transformed with a supernatural uh, body and mind and mentality, no bias to sin. So he's talking about the time before that happens, the time just before we go to be with him, just before we stand in eye to eye and are transformed into the light, his likeness, when we become like him, from the time we start to get to know him, that's the time of the flesh. Why am I talking like this? Let me remind myself. So the power of eternal life is loosed in that time frame. What I'm trying to do is prove to you that he is the answer, that he is the solution, that he is everything we need in that time of flesh. And so the solution to the challenges we face in that time is to know him. Know him better. Does that make sense to you? Am I confusing you or is it slowly coming together? So I'm just going to say that. From the time that we start to know him, this is Jesus' prayer. From the start, the time we start to know him until just before we are with him, we are transformed, we are like him, we are renewed, we got the glorified body, the not... No bias to sin. Just before that time, that's the time of the flesh. That's the time when he says, and here's the solution, knowing you. Knowing you brings the eternal life into now. So, the time before the flesh or the power of the flesh ceases, um, that's the time when we know him to the time you leave the flesh behind when we get to be him with him in a place where we are completely unrestricted so what we really need most and 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 this is this is the best counseling you've ever get well no matter what problem you've got what you really the answer is what you really need is to get to know him better now i'm not knocking counsellors or psychologists or the, not at all I'm not praise God for the spirit filled counsellors and psychologists uh, praise God they do all great work for us but what I'm saying is what the Bible says is we we really need to know him better that is the answer that's the solution for everything we go through is knowing him better and and you need I could I could talk about that a while but you need to work that through in your own head because it's truth. If you knew him better, you wouldn't respond. We wouldn't respond the way we do. 
And here's the pattern that I noticed as I was thinking about Philip. I identify very much with Philip. I, I really do. When we first had an encounter with Jesus, everything changed. There was an incredible passion and zeal and excitement. Um, the, the reality that he was real challenged everything that I thought I knew. Challenged everything, the way I thought, the way I acted, the things that I held important. It challenged every aspect of my life. When, when I, I didn't stop and think like this, but looking back now, that's exactly what happened. When I had an encounter with God, it challenged me so much that, and changed everything. But here's this passion and zeal. Lay on top of that now the fact that we were told, this is 1983, that Jesus is coming back any moment. Not next year, but any right now. And all the indication, every news article was, uh, yes, that's right, he's coming back now. Henry Kissinger, oh, he's coming back right now. Who remembers Henry Kissinger? Everybody knew he was the Antichrist. So you got the passion and zeal. Totally challenged. Open for everything. Then on top of that, Jesus is coming back. Passion and zeal. Excitement. Tell everybody. Don't care what anybody thinks. Tell everybody. We're just on fire right now. And then a little while after we realise, oh, wait a minute. Um, I'm not in heaven yet. And I'm still me. And there's some battles that need to be fought and battles that need to be won. So got this really big, high, passionate, full-on, you know, enthusiasm, excitement, the whole deal on fire to, wait a minute, I'm still a sinner. I, oh dear, I shouldn't be doing this, should I? That's not the way it's done, is it? So it's like, and then you plateau out. But then... You, then you learn some stuff about Jesus. And so you go, okay, we're, we're firing up again. Um, for, for us, it was the fact that um, we've been given a great commission going to all the world and preach the gospel. And, and without really understanding what it meant, we felt like that's part of us. That's what we're here for. And so there was this old passion of Zealand. Anybody identify this? This is like Philip's life. Well, you know, we found him. He's telling you, we found the one Moses was talking about. We, I think, you know, even all the prophecies that we've been given, it's him, it's all about him. I found him. Come, you better come with us because we're all in it. And then all of a sudden, you know, wait a minute. All the miracles, all the wonders, all the teaching, all the authority, you know, the challenges in it. Plato, rise, Plato, rise, Plato, rise. Who remembers that song, Higher Ground? Anybody know the words? I remember the phrase. New heights I'm gaining every day. Da -da 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 -da. To heaven's table land. Nobody? Mate, I am getting old. Um, it's not a new song. Me and Jane just made it up. I just <laughs> 
But that's the picture. See, we, we reach, we climb, and we reach a plateau. But the thing is, you don't set up a camp there. You, you don't stay there. You've got to learn some stuff there, and then you fight some battles, and then you climb again. You know, this is, I'm talking about your life. And, and what it is is, it's not something you accomplish, it's something that you learn about Jesus. You, you see a new aspect of Jesus, you, you get a new facet of, of your view of Jesus and all. you learn something about Jesus and it, it helps you overcome and rise up again and then you hit another plateau. But, but now there's some different enemies up here to fight, I've got to fight again. You know the story? Sounding familiar? But, well, this is the thing and, and we're on this journey the rest of our lives until we're we're stood at that place completely unrestricted looking at him in the eyes and becoming like him. And we've on this journey all the time. But people get shocked and hit and stunned and sometimes stay where they are. Sometimes they fall back. Sometimes they stay where they are and they don't grow. They don't. And the, and the key is in these plateau areas is to get closer to Jesus. Know him better. The, the real answer is Get closer to God. Know God better. But Jesus comes along and says, wait a minute. Um, I am exactly like God. So our solution is because, is you know, who's seen God? Anybody here seen God? Well, the truth is nobody's seen God. Set one. And, and he actually told us that. I actually wrote that verse down. Um, uh, we climb, we fight, we get to know him better, we get to know our God. Uh, so in John 14, 9, Jesus said to him, I ha Have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father, so how can you show, say, show me the Father? Jesus is not saying, and I need to be careful with this, Jesus is not saying that he's God. He is God but he's not saying he's the father, right? What he is saying is, if you've seen me, you've, you should know him. And, and the reason being this, in John 1, 18, we read, no one has seen God at any time. He's spirit. No one can see him. The only begotten son who was in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. Only, only Jesus has seen the father. He sent me. I was with him. I'm the only one who's seen him, right? So he's not saying he is the father. Um, and he's saying, I'm the one who can tell you about him, right? But then we get this in Colossians 1.15. It says, he is the image, talking about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So he's close to him. He's not him, but he's incredibly close to him. God is invisible, he's spirit. But Jesus is now flesh. He's a man. He's seen him. And, and the scriptures say he is the image of the invisible. He's something we can actually see and touch. And he's just like him. And, and there's many other verses. I've, I've got several here. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six verses that talk about Jesus um, relaying his relationship to the Lord. But, but these, are the, these are the main parts. John 5, 18 and 19, listen to this. 
Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the son uh, can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. So he said, everything I do is only what I see the father doing. So when you see me doing stuff, I'm doing it, but I'm doing it because I can see the invisible father, God, he's doing it. I'm, I'm wrestling with the obvious, Anna, but I'm trying to make a point. And then in John 12, 49, we get this. I, for I have not spoken on my own authority, but the father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and, and what I should speak. So the two things is, I only do what I see my father doing and I only say what I hear my father saying. He said, by that, because there's nothing of me except what my father has asked me. When you look at what I'm doing, when you hear what I'm saying, you're seeing what the father's doing, you're hearing what the father's saying. This is so obvious, isn't it? You're going, why are you talking like this? It's stressing these points that are so obvious. Because it's so simple, we need to, I need to argue to bring it through. Two things. I only do what I see my father doing. I only say what I hear my father saying. Uh, imagine this. Because this is the ultimate. And, and we've got a long way to go. But imagine if he had a group of disciples, a group of followers, who were so close that they would say, hey, why are you looking at us like we're something? I only do what I see my father doing. I only say what I hear my father saying. Now, I know we've got a long way to go, but imagine a people who have that as a goal. Imagine if we, corporately, us, together, got our act together, had a big discussion and said, from now on, we're only going to do what we see the father doing. How do we see the Father doing? Well, because Jesus did it. So we're only going to do what we see Jesus doing, right? From now on, that's all we're going to do. Exactly what Jesus did. And on top of that, from now on, we're only going to say what we hear Jesus saying. Because he's telling us what the Father said, so now we're going to do what the Father says by doing what Jesus said. Im imagine the impact. And I know we've got a long, a, we're a long way away from that. But imagine if a group of people, disciples a group of believers decided that's going to be our aim that's going to be our goal and and from now on we're going to strive we're going to grow into this to the best of our effort and if we mess up and fail we're not going to condemn ourselves we'll just start where we left off and we'll just keep going until we get to the place where we're starting to do what father does and we're and we're speaking what father says can you imagine the impact of that it would just be like what Jesus, the impact Jesus had in, in his day and age. I, I don't know, you look pretty bored, but that's staggering to me.
I know, and I'm not belittling all the problems we face. I'm not. I'm not suggesting any kind of weakness or, or, or I don't want to focus on the negative and talk about these overwhelming things. But, but the truth is this. I think we need to have a closer look at Jesus. I think we've, like Philip, we've seen and we've heard. But there's still this little, just show us the Father and that'll be enough. And I hear Jesus saying, wait a minute. 1983? How many years is that now we've been together? And, and you still don't recognize? How many years you've been coming to church and hearing my word? And you still really, you, you sort of believe, but you still don't. Re- I think each of us, all of us, every one of us, I think it's time at this phase, at this stage, in this season, that we seriously have another look at Jesus so that we can start to see what the Father's doing and start to hear what the the Father's saying. Does that make sense? I think it's what part of what God's doing, what the Spirit is saying to the churches. I think it's part of the solution. I, th- I think it's part of our growth, our maturity. I, I think it's coming with with the influence. It, I think it's what's necessary with the opportunities that we're starting to be given. That in the opportunities, in through the open doors, we don't do what we think needs to be done. We don't say what we think needs to be said. But because we know, because we're having a more closer, more intimate look, we can start speaking what the Father has to say and we can start doing what the Father wants to be done. In fact, we need to look what Father doing and that applies in so many areas of my life right now, in so many areas of the church life right now. We've got these opportunities and, and I'm just like zealous and crazy enough to start taking them but I don't want to go in there doing what I think needs to be done and speaking what I think needs to be spoken. I, I, I don't want to step into these things until I see what the Father's doing and do that. I don't want to speak into these things until I hear what the Father's saying. Does this make sense? And please, uh, while this is very specifically for the church as a whole, for us as a body, a group of individuals coming in, this is applicable and even more applicable for our personal lives. I got to be honest, we've we've had this journey and it's been wonderful and at times there've been serious battles. But on this current plateau, I need to have a closer look at Jesus to get me through the next battle. There's some stuff we need to break through, there's some stuff I'm talking personally now. There's some stuff I need to break through. There's some stuff, a battle that I need to win, right? And and it's not done in my own strength. 
But I think I need to have a closer look at Jesus. Get a bit closer. Know him better. I need to know Jesus because that's the answer. That's the solution for me. So I'm saying that about me, but I know it's applicable to you. And I obviously know it's so applicable to where we are as a church. Are you okay? Now I could just, as I did at the beginning, say, hey, you all need to know Jesus better and you'll go, amen. You all need to get closer to Jesus. Yeah, yeah, amen. But how do you do that? We need to really look and really listen deliberately and intentionally we we need to we really need to see we really need to hear don't we can we pray right now father in the name of jesus i thank you for philip i thank you well we're not a hundred percent sure of his future we know he went out and did great things for you preached the gospel all over we, we know that his life eventually was martyred. He, he was a martyr for you only because he did great things for you. We thank you that we can identify so much with this man. The passion and zeal when he first met you. And yet the wrestle with doubt along the journey. But how you raised him up and helped him overcome when he saw you on the cross. When he ate that breakfast with you after your resurrection when you poured your spirit into his life thank you we identify it and we're filled with hope because of that now i i bring it down personally for all the challenges and the battles that we're facing individually help us to see it's not just a cliche but help us to see that he's the answer the solution and we need to look more closely so come now holy spirit Thank you, Lord, that you said you'll send your spirit, the spirit of truth, and he'll take the things that are yours and show them to us. Thank you we can see more. Thank you we can hear more, which ultimately means we will know the Father better. And in that is the solution, the answer we're looking for right now. I wonder, Malim, if you can do that last song again, if that's all right. I wonder if, church, if we can worship our Lord with this song. And I wonder if we can have be very prayerful in this moment. But as we do, let's take the emblems to remind us of why and how we can do this. We take the way for remember that he gave his body to be broken for us to pay the price. Let's eat and remember that. We drink the juice to remember that his blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sins which really means everything that was in the way was removed so we could get into relationship with our Father, so we could have a deep, intimate relationship with Father. 
and that all our faults, all our weaknesses, all our mistakes can't get in the way anymore. Let, let's drink as we remember that. We're going to sing this song with the team. But if you'd like prayer, if you'd like to recommit, dedicate yourself to knowing Jesus better, no matter where, how long you think you've known him, you know we all know him better. It, it might be coming back to him. It be, might be just repositioning yourself. It might be coming back to the place where you broke down this relationship or, or left the relationship. So this morning as we worship, as, as we worship with this song, can I invite you, if you would like prayer, just come to the altar and we'll all pray together. And, and the truth is, um, and I'm not trying to milk a big crowd because I want this to be a, a personal decision, a deliberate, intentional, personal decision. But the truth is, we all need to get back there. We all need to get closer. We all need to know him better. And we know, the, we know that he's the answer, but we forget to apply it to the situations of our lives. We forget that when we're going through the random, sudden, unexpected dramas of life. But if you're ready to make that next step, that next commitment, to reposition yourself or to recommit yourself, this altar's open. If you even just want prayer for something that you're going through right now, this altar is open. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you were blessed with today's message. You can connect with us at pacificchristianchurch.com.